Imagine a world with no cold calling. A world where companies don't sell your data to other companies who want to pester you. At G4 Claims, we don't cold call and we don't buy a single lead from data companies. Oh, and if you're due any compensation from your car accident, you pay nothing to us at all. For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today for help the way you want it. Welcome back to another episode of De Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football. This is Season 2, Episode 3. Last week you got two episodes in one week, which is something we don't normally do. Unfortunately for this episode we are back on Zoom, we're not in the studio yet, but come September we will be back in the G4 studio and absolutely buzzing, cannot wait to be back. On the podcast today, as always, we have Dick. Dick, how you doing? Brilliant mate, even better after the weekend that we've just had it's been a class weekend uh, i will testify to that uh beans what about yourself how you doing mate yeah very good mate very very good so i thanks for having me mate but i don't know good to get you on the podcast eventually i know i was on uh if it's been happening a good couple of times but it's it's good to get you on here for for a change um also on the podcast uh, i'm surprised he is actually here considering it takes him quite a lot of time to walk from the east wing of his house to the west wing it's adam kennedy adam how you doing, mate? <laughs> i'm great thanks Stefan. how are you mate despite that being absolute nonsense i'm i'm all right mate i've i've been in your gaff it is pretty huge let's let's be honest so um i'm gonna run with that that little that little joke but no i'm doing good a little bit tired but we're doing good and um on for a little bit of a, a sort of a new one for the podcast he's been on an episode before but it's uh it's my brother daniel how you doing I'm good thanks mate how are you yeah I'm, I'm i'm all good all good um let's let's just get right into the action it's been a, a superb week of weekend of action in the scottish premiership let's start off with arguably the game of the weekend the the one that had the most goals in it anyway it was celtic versus dundee i was doing some prep before the game and seeing that there was some noticeable stats celtic had 31 shots and 15 on target mental when when you think about it the amount of opportunities that they actually had in the game um did anyone expect the impact of Kyogo Furahashi? Uh, no, to be fair, I expected him to, to come in and I think he had, he had promise, but you never know with a player that's, that you don't know anything about coming into it. I did assume that Edward Inayeti would still be the main choice, but Kyogo would come in and he could maybe play across a few positions. But after seeing him today, it's absolutely frightening how good he is. And I know he's like in the middle of his season, so he's already... You know, underway and he's been scoring this season but to come in doesn't speak the language um, he's only just been here a week to be, in, be able to have that kind of a performance and what I loved most about it was his work rate working defending from the front and it's just everything that Celtic missed so yeah he was he was incredible and he absolutely loved it every goal every tackle he was applauding he was loving it all and um, absolutely delighted I've not been that excited about a player um, since with Dembele first kind of kicked in so um, I'm absolutely delighted 
Dick, what about yourself? With I mean, I, I know for a fact you absolutely love Furuhashi. Um, he, he is your Japanese boy. Uh, thoughts on his performance today? Unbelievable. Definitely the best debut at, like, at home anyway that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, I just thought, like, I, I was coming on, I was like, where do you even begin with that performance today? Because we were outstanding to a man, but obviously Furuhashi will steal the headline because he is hat-trick, and rightfully so, he was outstanding. And just to go back to your comment about, like, were we surprised? I definitely didn't think they would have uh, scored a hat-trick, but um, he definitely showed glimpses the other night uh, of how good he can be, especially, you know, defenders up in this country are quite stiff, you know, nine times out of ten, and with the movement and pace and, you know, ability getting behind it he's got, uh, he's going to cause defenders all sorts of trouble all season, so I was delighted for him. Daniel, what about yourself? Kyogo Furuhashi, did, has he exceeded your expectations of him? Uh, yeah, quite quite surprisingly, um, came in, I usually think it'll take I, um, a couple of games to get into it, but the guys come in, hit the ground running, we saw that on Thursday night. And then I thought, mm, one game, yeah, will he do it again? So he's done it again today, so hopefully he'll continue to do that throughout the season. And then we can look at whether we can deem him a massive success. But on first sightings, I think the guy's going to be a really, really good player. Adam, what about yourself? You're obviously a Hearts fan, so you're you're not clued up in Celtic. But seeing Kyogo Furuhashi come from the J-League, what, what was your view of the signing and did you expect him to make such an impact? I've got to be honest, I didn't expect him to make such an impact. No, I, I think everybody's been surprised just how much he has sort of exceeded expectations because I think as Scottish football fans, we're very dismissive of other leagues that we don't usually see on the box, you know, every other week. So I, I'm, I've got to be honest, I've never watched a, a minute of the J League in my life. Um, so I couldn't have told you if he was, you know, a highly rated talent or whatnot. But if Celtic have, you know, forked out from, there's obviously something there. And with such an encouraging start, I think that's really coming to fruition. I think the thing that probably impressed me the most today um, was the fact that he misses a chance early on, but that doesn't phase him. And he just he knows that opportunities are still going to arise and he's in the right place at the right time. His movement's excellent. And his finishes, whilst they were routine, um, you know, he's obviously got to be there to tuck, tuck them away. And that's just a great knack to get into. Dick, you wanted to make another point. I think that as well, like what was surprising to me, that the fact that how quick he settled in, you know, from coming from Japan where he's played all his life, you know, to a completely different culture where he doesn't speak the language until it kind of, I say, hit the ground running. He was impressive the other night against Hearts. He was just kind of flung in, so it was hard to really expect any of him. But to kind of hit the ground running the way he has has been exceptional. And obviously, I've seen that Rangers account on Twitter. I'm hoping that it's a parody account, but obviously making a comment about his height and his weight. But, like, I think that actually makes him an asset for us because, you know, his low centre of gravity allows him to peel off defenders. And, like, today, when especially when you watch it back, they didn't have a single clue where he was. And he should have had about six goals. I think he actually scored the ones that were harder to finish. Mm. So, um, I just unbelievable. And I hope that even if he can replicate, you know, what Nakamura was like to... 50%, it would be unbelievable for us. Okay, Anthony Ralston scored last week, he scored today. Is Anthony Ralston shutting a lot of people up? He is. I, I've always liked Ralston. I, I don't necessarily think that he's good enough to be Celtic's number one right back, but what he's certainly done with his performances so far is show that he's good enough to be at the club and 
for a guy who's still relatively young for a footballer to have constant criticism from all angles to just get his head down and work he's he was kept on um and and not really looked as one of the ones they wanted to move on because the the, the club were so impressed with how he was training towards the end of last season and he's come in new manager and there's been a lot of i mean everyone it's the first team first name of the team sheet that everyone groans at when they see but his performance today was brilliant it was it was um measured it was he was playing passes across Fair enough, it was silly in Sheridan, so it's not the, the most, um, the, the highest praise, but he was playing passes that across to Starfelt, um, right across the striker's path, which a player in confidence can only can only make, and he looked a completely different player today, and um, I said it earlier on uh, on something else, but I would say that see if Tony Ralston can do that, it's now has, there's only one person that can change his career, and it's him, and he's got to go on and have the performance he's had today, every single time he puts that Celtic shirt on. And if he does that, the sky's the limit for him. Um, it, that's a Tony Ralston that we've not seen before. So he could go on and uh, if that's the new level that he's going to be playing at, then I'm delighted because it saves us spending another couple of million to get two right-backs in because now we only need one. So, yeah, he's, he's shut a lot of people up and I'm delighted that he has. Dick, what about yourself? I mean, yeah, I think that he, he has definitely shut a lot of people up. And I think, like, to be honest, if we still want to progress in the right direction, we, we do need to spend a bit of money in the right position. I know that Aurelio Buta and I think it's at Bustos, the other guy from Independiente that was linked. So mm. um, if we get one of them, it, it would help us. But I think like one thing to say about Ralston is that he kind of epitomises the mentality that's needed to play for Celtic. Like, whereby he's faced heavy, heavy criticism and borderline abuse, probably, on social media. And, like, to show the mental strength to come back and perform the way he has just deserves commended. And, to be honest, like, that's what's making me warm to him because like, he's took all that stick and he's still running himself into the ground for us. And if he can keep up this form, I don't see why not. He can't try and claim that position. But, yeah, we, it, it still needs strengthened, in my opinion. And at the end of the day, it's two and two for the real Bells Hill Cafu. I, I feel for Anthony Ralston, to be honest. I, I mean, I don't think it's his fault that the Celtic board didn't really prepare for the loss of Jeremy Frimpong. They obviously signed John Joe Kenny on loan, didn't they? And then realised that he wasn't up to standard. And then they've been kind of dwelling in terms of finding that first choice right back, like the guys have said. Um, but what I would say is that he's certainly providing something of a real attacking influence. And I don't know whether that's just down to the style that Postacoglu is trying to implement. But to me... It certainly screams an attack, a sort of exciting attacking style, if the manager's back correctly, which may well see him just be a squad player. But it's encouraging signs that if Postacoglu can even get the lesser players to, you know, improve to such or improve and perform to such a level, then he's he's perhaps kind of, I don't know the the main proof of that. You could argue. No, he's not showing anybody up for me. In my honest opinion, the guy. Unfortunately, is not a Celtic player in a million years. Um, he's okay. He's performed well over the last two games. That's fine, and I really hope he does shut me up when he we play the likes of games in midweek in December up at Ross County and club games and stuff like that. After playing maybe 20, 21 games throughout a whole season, then yeah, I'll quite happily be shot up by him. But after two games, for me, nah, he's a Celtic man. He came in under obviously Brendan Rodgers, and that there was that game against Neymar, and he stood up to Neymar type thing. But then since then, he's gone out on loan. If if he was good enough, clubs would have wanted him. And for me, no, we need in, we need a, we need a good right back in. 
uh, and him to be used as a sort of disposable squad player if he can still be at Celtic. Okay. Uh, a little bit different from what everyone else has said. I, I love that sort of difference in opinion. So you don't think that he, he sort of covered himself in glory when he went out on loan to teams like St Johnston? Well, no, because teams like St Johnston who are now playing against teams like Galatasaray in the Europa League and winning doubles uh, didn't even want to re-sign him. So to give you a bit of an example there, they wanted to re-sign Glenn Middleton, they re-signed him. Why did they not come back for Anthony Ralston? And why is Anthony Ralston then going in to the Celtic right-back position? I think he's only gone into that position, obviously, because we've got nobody else there. Let's let's move on from Anthony Ralston. Where Dundee helpless to avoid such a, a conquering, you know, defeat because Celtic just came out of the gates quite quickly and they were absolutely ruthless. There there wasn't much Dundee could do, was there? I think after five minutes, you can definitely tell that it was about limiting the damage uh, from a Dundee point of view. Um, I said on this before, I think it was last week, that you know the kind of style of play that James McPake brings, it's it's very risk and reward. That's not like I'm not going to say a carbon copy of Angie's because that's the way he likes to play, but it's like I think in the championship last season they conceded a lot of goals and they've not really strengthened defensively either. And coming up to a higher level, it's it's you know it's a foregone conclusion that that's probably going to like well almost certainly going to happen again. Hmm. Um, but yeah, as I said, after five ten minutes, you know it was just I think they knew they were in a game and they just thought right we need to not get a down here which they eventually did and they just looked helpless and you know they were lucky that it ended six because I felt in my opinion that um, the boy Marshall should have been sent off in the first half for that challenge on Ralston so that yeah. you know would have left him with 10 men for even longer and it could have been even more I mean it should have been even more anyway with Furuhashi missing about three settles so um, yeah uh, to be honest six is bad but it could have been more I think you might all be in sir, the same conclusion that Marshall should have been sent off. But for the challenge on Abada, was it was it a red card? Just a quick sort of run through, Adam, for you. Yeah, for me, I, I think it's reckless with no real intent to play the ball, to be honest. And Dick mentioned Marshall. I think Christy Elliott on the other side was given a, a torrid time by Ryan Christie as well, wasn't he? So, yeah. Um, Jordan Marshall was obviously later sent off deservedly, but probably should have been in that first 45, to be honest. I think it was a it was a red card. I was actually surprised that the tackle and Ralston didn't get a red, but I it was a it was a red card for me. And I think a bad very impressed with a bad. They had a, a quiet game. I think most of the game was flowing through Christie. Um, but it's a sign of a, a good player that they might have a quiet game, but when they do get a, a chance or a half chance, they make the most of it. And it had a few glimpses throughout the game did well, but it did very, very well to get in behind. And I think we'll see a lot of that this season. But yeah, it was it was just reckless from the, the centre back. Yeah, for me looking at looking at it again tonight, it was definitely a red card given and you could see studs were up. And from what I seen, I thought the guy should have been sent off. But what what I know what annoys me on that is is that you got a tackle last week and Hearts give it a man sent off and the same thing happens this week and then obviously goes in. And he brings down Abada, a second yellow card, so he's uh, obviously needs to go, but he should have gone a lot earlier, in my opinion. Okay, look, let's move on. We've spoken at length about, about Celtic, a great result for them. Uh, it sets them up nicely for um, midweek against Jablonek and then uh, the cup against Hearts next uh, Sunday. Let's move on to Hibs versus Ross County. Uh, a couple of early chances for both sides and a decent first goal from Boyle. But should the keeper have done better? I'm not sure because I think that like it kind of took a it took a deflection, which you know Boyle got quite fortunate on. But mm. 
I don't, I don't know if I, maybe he was a wee bit far off his line in that in that instance, but I don't think that um, you know he could have done much really. No, I'm in agreement with Deck. I think the keeper's pretty helpless to be honest. I think we can say that the goal's somewhat fortunate, which it, of course it is with the deflection, but. Looking back, I just feel as though Martin Boyle was at the heart of everything. Um, and it's probably no less than his performance deserved, in all honesty. For me, he's arguably one of the best players outside the old firm on his day, definitely. I, I don't think the keeper could have done much else about it, but I was actually very impressed with um, Hibs overall today. I thought they were brilliant. Yeah, they, they played some great football and thoroughly deserved their win. Daniel, what about yourself? Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a great goal. I don't think there was any sort of luck about it, but I thought... Um... Hibs started off really well, Ross County, okay, there was some early chances, but Hibs overall, so I just took control and some of the free-flowing football they were playing, I thought was pretty good, and then obviously scored that first goal, which I thought was absolutely magnificent, to be quite honest, but um, then obviously went on to win the game 3-0. Was it a red card for Harry Clark? Should, should he have been sent off? I don't know, to be honest, I think like if it's one of the ones where you can't really argue either way, in my opinion, but I, I think a booking would probably suffice. I don't know if it's one of those ones that translates worse on the telly. I think the Ralston one, for example, earlier, looking back at the telly, doesn't look anywhere near as bad. Well, it still does look bad, but it doesn't look anywhere near as bad as it did in real time um, in person. But I think it's one of those. I think that just comes down to the referee's call. I think you can understand why it's a yellow. I think it would be harsh as a red. Um, but I would probably. Do you know, I don't, I don't even know, to be fair. Um, I don't think you could really put up too much of an argument if he's given a red for it. So, mm. um, But at the same time, I would also tend to agree that it's a yellow. So I think it just... It's probably one of the closest you can get to chopping between a, a yellow or a red. Yeah, I thought of agreeing with Beans on that one. It could have been, it could have gone either either way type thing. But um, as I say, it's, it's one of those... Um, challenges that obviously it's given the referee a decision to make and as it happened he's booked him in that's it I think we need to go on with it let's let's move on to Livingston Aberdeen it was a game I was actually uh looking forward to is Livy's goal poor keeping from Lewis or just a mixture of poor goalkeeping and poor defending I don't think it's like down to Joe Lewis at all I think it's a total lapse in concentration from the Aberdeen defence that have basically sold their keeper and you know, Bruce Anderson isn't the tallest, so for him to get a header over Lewis is quite strange. But it was just a total lapse. They, should, they either they were half arsed when they should have either stepped out straight away, or they should have just kind of stayed deep and cleared their lines. But I think um, like kind of summed Aberdeen up, and it was it was strange during the game because you can tell from like watching the highlights that they they struggled from set pieces. Um, you know they had they had that one, and then. I think in the, it was the second half when Hedges cleared one off the line that, that when Levy nearly made it too. So mm. it's strange with such an experienced battling that they that they allowed kind of them lapses in concentration to happen. But um I thought like it, it was initially like when you when you look at that game on paper before before a ball's been kicked, you're thinking Aberdeen are just gonna go out and do a number on Levy, especially with you know, the players that Levy have lost and the, well, obviously they took a, a bit of a beating last week, but um, you know Aberdeen just got it. Like I just thought they got it all wrong today. You know, Chet is who they've took from Livingston. You know, you'd like to think for his physical attributes, they they just didn't utilise him properly at all, and he was dropping deep all day long. When you know 
they've got the players to make him dangerous in the box if they if they give him the service, which which they probably would. With the likes of Hedges and McGinn, um, and you know Levy kind of Levy gained confidence from their first goal, and they were probably unlucky not to go to go two up. But as I was saying before about Livingston, I don't think they replaced Jet properly, and I think the they're lacking in conviction, and that's probably a reason why I think they'll they'll go down or at least be in the playoffs this year. I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I know that Joe Lewis berates his defence for the initial kind of concession of the corner, um, but for me, you know, Aberdeen have got to do a lot more. I think that Jet nods it away, but it's then flicked on by, I think it's is it James Penrice, and it's just a simple looping header that virtually eliminates the entire Don's defence. They all move out too quickly, and there's Bruce Anderson, who, like Dex says, isn't the tallest by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, it's a clever header to nod home, but I mean, defensively, very, very poor from Aberdeen, and it's it's not really what we've been used to seeing for quite some time, to be fair. Yeah, I think um, I'd agree with what everybody's kind of said there. I think she just in general as well. Obviously, I know highlights don't tell the full story, but she just looking at it, and I did see the highlights. But see, in terms of Livy, I think they're probably going to be in a lot of trouble this year. Um, in terms of temperament, I mean. What was it? They got five bookings and Bartley and um, Martindale. David Martindale. Martindale both get booked as well. Like, and I know after the game he got asked about signings and he made a joke about Messi, but at the end of the day, they need players in. And I don't know if that's just smoke or that's just him trying to diffuse or maybe take a bit of heat off the situation. But I think they could be in a bit of trouble this year, and also I kind of hope they do because if we can get rid of the the final plastic pitch in the league, I'd be delighted. Agreed, Daniel. What about yourself? Poor goalkeeping or a mixture of poor defending? I thought it was um, poor defending to allow them to come in. Obviously, got their goal. They shell shocked Aberdeen to start with after Aberdeen's midweek performance. But one thing <laughs> I, I picked, I picked up in that game, and you're looking at the likes of. I watched Libby last week against Rangers and I, I thought they were going to give Rangers a game because of how good they were. But um, there was one guy pointed earlier on when he said Martin Martindale and Bartley were both booked. I was watching um, Martindale at that point and he was shouting and bawling at his players to get up and down the pitch. People aren't even going to respond to that. You've got to be, as a manager, inspire your team to play. And judging, looking at that, I mean, I'm no professional footballer, but that would inspire me to play. That would inspire me to play for that guy. So I don't know if he's had a one-season wonder where he was quite good, but today on the other side of the pitch, I just didn't think he was great at all. And then I thought Aberdeen deserved a win. Okay, Doc. Good finish from Jenks, but did Longridge let himself down, Adam? Uh, yeah, he does. I think um, it's a it's a poor clearance from from Longridge. I, I think looking at it. Aberdeen didn't really create much in that first half. And then obviously conceding the goal, they're then shell-shocked a little bit. Um, but what I would say about Aberdeen is that, you know, six changes from midweek, I think it highlights their squad depth. And considering that last season they'd scored the fewest away goals in the division, eh, sorry, the second fewest away goals in the division, then they'll be delighted to get off to the ideal start on the roads. And obviously we'll talk about the winner later on, but... They'll, t- they'll take it by any means necessary, and particularly given that it's hold them level. And it's actually a, a decent first-time strike from Teddy Jenks in the end. It's one of them balls into the box that's so hard to deal with. And, you know, like when you're pushing on to the later kind of moments of the game, it's like, it's not about cutting him some, it's not about cutting him some slack. It's like, obviously you should be dealing with it, but can understand maybe, you know, Aberdeen were kind of 
going for that winner and Livy were, were probably tired, you know, try to try to hold on. But I think like even with him making that mistake, the keeper has got to do better for me again. Like I don't know, like it's just does he not get two hands on it when he when he makes the save? Like hmm. you know, he should he should definitely be doing better. I think it's um, you know, there's problems with the, the clearance and, and the goalkeeper there. It's not just with the clearance. Yeah, I think um, as it was said there, I think it's as poor defending. It's it's um, again kind of telltale of the the performance, and I think that kind of comes down to overall confidence. And as we said there, when you've got managers shouting at the, t- the touchline, um, I don't think. I, I, I again, I just think that there are um, it's going to be a bit of trouble. But I um, I don't think it was good defending. But again, that just comes down to mistakes creep in. Um, teams with confidence are, are teams that have faith in their ability to actually go and do something in a season. Those mistakes don't tend to happen. That that, that creeps into teams when um, there might not be um, the belief that they can go on and, and achieve something um, that season. So, yeah, it, it was pretty pretty poor. Daniel, want to move on from from that and just ask you about Max Dreyek, uh with with the Howler. Um, how much of a downer is that for, for Livingston? Because it, it could have gave them a point. Could have got their first point of the season, but then when was it Mackenzie hit the um, hit, hit the original shot and then obviously but then it was a obviously a great attempt from outside the box. But for me the keeper should have had that all day long. People make mistakes. But on the ninety the ninety fourth minute, if you're a goalkeeper and you're in goals and you're not concentrating and you're making a mistake like that, questions need to be asked because you're a professional at the end of the day and you should have been up looking at that. A ball could have come in the box. A ball could be getting shot. And that you, you've got to be aware. You've got to be up there. And as it happens, obviously Aberdeen scored and obviously took the three points at the end of the day. Okay. Um, pitch invasion. We've been out of football for for eighteen months. Fans haven't been back for a while. Is it embarrassing or is it understandable? No, they were acting like they won the Champions League, weren't they? After like the second game of the season, so I cannot. I can maybe like maybe cut them some slack because it is has been a torrid time with COVID and stuff like that. No fans have been in the grounds and, you know, they've obviously got excited with everyone loves a last minute winner and away day, but um I wouldn't I wouldn't I would neither say it's embarrassing or understandable. I'd just say it's like it's probably a bit premature. Um it would be very hypocritical of me to slate the Aberdeen fans given my antics after John Suter's head against Celtic. So I'm gonna say that it's understandable, to be honest for me. I know that Look, it, it is early doors, but I think just with how long we've waited, you know, having been constantly behind screens to watch the football, to then get back. And like I said earlier, Aberdeen's um, goal tally on the road last season wasn't all that impressive. They've nicked a, a last-minute winner at a place which can be tricky to go to. I think we've seen, you know, most of Scotland's big teams struggle there. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm, I'm giving them some leeway, to be honest, the Dons fans. Yeah, I, I think it's completely like, both acceptable and I would even say more more power to it. I, I think I don't think in any any of their minds they thought, oh, let's invade the pitch. We've just scored a winner at Livy. I think probably comes into the fact that they all went to run down towards the team like most fans do when a goal gets scored in lower leagues or whatever. Because and I say lower leagues because obviously in terms of attendance, it wasn't like packed, but. Um, I think it's just the fact that Livy, I mean, I've been at Livy, it's, you could you could fall onto the pitch if you if you if you didn't watch your step. Um but again, 
these guys will have, just like everyone else, they will have been sat for the last year and a half, you know, desperate to get back to the football with their family, their mates. Um, it's an away day for the first time in how long, and they've scored a last-minute winner and emotions have taken over, which I don't blame them because even watching... Celtic win 6-0 today. Uh, I was emotional at points, just even being back in the stadium and just seeing like mates at the game and stuff, like just all the wee things that you promised yourself you wouldn't take for granted again. So if people are going to go a wee bit OTT for celebrating last-minute winners, do you know what? I would rather that than we were all sat inside watching games on the telly again. So can see where some of the guys are coming from, especially what Beans has just, has just been said there. I can take that all on board. But for me, not. Shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have happened when Celtic did it a couple of years ago for Marnock. Shouldn't have happened today, and I just feel, in my in my opinion, just looking in on a sort of plain devil's advocate level head, um, it's given the authorities a decision um, to make before the season's even started, and I just hope that I certain somebody doesn't come out and give Scottish football a yellow card tomorrow. Uh, let's let's move on. St Johnston Motherwell again. St Johnston had a really big game in midweek. They came up against Turkish giants Galatasaray and managed to uh, get a draw. A lot left me surprised. I think I said live that it was going to be 4-0 Galatasaray. You know, shows how much I know about football. But we're back in domestic action today. Uh, Xander Clark, you know, called into action very early on. He made some great saves, one especially by Kevin Van Veen. Has Xander Clark, since last season, done enough to merit a call-up to the Scotland national team, Beans? 100%. He should be a, should be a goalkeeper. Should be, not only should he be the Scotland number one, but he should definitely 100% be in that squad when there's experienced goalkeepers there just now, like David Marshall, who has had that moment um, that got us to the Euros, has played at the Euros. The, the experience that's available in that squad just now, he should be in there and soaking every bit of it up um, in the next the next qualifiers. I would understand and I wouldn't begrudge Clark if he took... Uh, Xander Clark, but didn't play him because I think that's fair. But if, I think it's, um, I think there will be questions asked of Steve Clark if he doesn't at least include Xander Clark in the next squad. Because although he does have some weaknesses to his game in terms of goalkeepers that aren't at the end of their career um, for the national team, he is the the clear and obvious choice. I don't think there's anyone else um, that would really put a claim on that. And the only other person that you could maybe suggest would be Scott Bain, who's woeful. So. I, I would I would be Xander Clark number one, give him the jersey, get him in as soon as possible. Just quickly, just touching on that, what about Liam Kelly from from Motherwell? Do you, do you rate his chances or or no? I, I, no, not just now. I don't. I think Xander Clark's. Um, I think he's been more consistent uh, for a longer period of time, and I think he also has. He's a big game player as well. Which I'm not saying Kelly's not, but Xander Clark stands out a lot more, and he makes big saves and important saves in big moments, which is exactly it's basically what international football comes down to. So, yeah. um, again, the, the two of them should be in the squad. We should be looking to, especially the goalkeepers, getting out to and uh, the, the the national team camps. That's a huge experience. Players always talk about it. Even just being involved really develops them and makes them see a lot of things differently. So. To, uh, maybe have the both of them with Marshall in the next squad, but I would say Xander Clark for me would be the number one. Okay. Um, Dick, obviously, I, I mentioned Xander Clark made early saves against Van Veen. How big can Van Veen be for Motherwell? I think like last week watching him, uh, on it was on Sky the game. He, he was brilliant, like he was, you know, the, the real vocal point for, for Motherwell and, and everything that they did. And, like, I know it's hard to kind of 
make a, a decision on how they will end up based on one game because obviously before going into that game I was from what hearing what Motherwell fans were saying and different things like that I wasn't happening them to have a great season but seeing him now I think they'll, they'll be just fine if if he can kind of keep up uh, you know a level of consistency that you know I think that he, he possibly can bring you know he was he was tipped to, to be transferred for four million pounds the season before last and then that kind of fell through and then Obviously, mother will have got him for free, I think, or maybe a low fee. Yeah. Um, but I think he, he will be key. And he was unlucky yesterday to obviously not get that goal for the header because it was a fantastic save uh, by Xander Clark. And yeah, I think that like, one thing I, I noticed particularly off the game was Willery and Van Veen's link up will be key yeah. this season for the well. And like how well they complement each other, you know, if they both find that level of consistency, you know, mother will be fine. And I think that just in, in general, anyway, Motherwell should be fine, but it's the fact that they've not really went out and replaced properly, I'd say, you know, parts of the spine of their team. But but they've got a solid goalkeeper, as you were kind of saying, and I think him and him and Xander Clark will definitely be, you know, looking at that, that next that next squad or the next squads in the few the next few years and they'll be thinking, oh, there's a real possibility we can both break in. Daniel, Tony Watt with an emphatic straight to equalise. Should he have had a double minutes later? Definitely. Could have put his team up 2-1 up. Uh, first goal was very, very, very good. Ball put through, front and goal. Took it well. Second goal, without a doubt, I thought he was going to score again. Uh, so yeah, Tony Watt should have banged that in the back of the net. Uh, and obviously I'm lucky not to. Adam, was a draw a fair result? Perhaps, but I, I just felt as though looking at it, that St Johnston's chances probably came back to bite them more so, to be honest. Um, I think Stevie May could have had a few um, had he had his shooting boots on. Um, and Michael Halloran, I think, also has a great chance where he could have put St Johnston to the good, but obviously tries to drag it past Liam Kelly. Um, but it's a smart stop from the, the Motherwell keeper. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I think... What I would say about the goal, um, Tony Watts' equaliser, is that Jason Kerr's absence is probably highlighted because it's a lovely dink from Stephen Lawless, but Tony Watt comes from absolutely nowhere. Um, and obviously he's got a point to prove. You were mentioning Woolery, Van Veen. Um, he's got a point to prove given he'd obviously been dropped initially for, for Connor Shields' competitive debut. So I think Motherwell have got some some game changers on the bench now. Um but Saints probably, I don't know whether they'll be slightly kicking themselves having not picked up the three points, to be honest. Let's move on to your beloved hearts. They were facing St Mirren. Um, good finish from Halliday. Boyce, you know, with the seconds for hearts. Are hearts over-exceeding or have they been underestimated? Because that's two wins from two now. I think we're probably over-exceeding because I'd, I'd talked about the tricky start. Um, I'd looked at our first five fixtures. Obviously Celtic at home, um, St Mirren away, of course. Then next up, we've got Aberdeen after, obviously, Celtic in the Cup. Um, Aberdeen at Tynecastle. Then we travelled to Tannadice to take on Dundee United. And then we've got the small matter of the Edinburgh Derby. So I think most Jambos were looking at those fixtures. Um, and I'm not sure what, what they'd have probably taken with regards to points total. But certainly, I just snapped your hand off for four. So the fact that we've ended up with six out of our potential six, I'm absolutely delighted with, given... You know, it's great to beat Celtic whenever, that goes without saying. Um, but it's our first league win in Paisley since 2010. Not yeah. one through there against St Mirren um, since en route to winning the Cup in 2012. So 
the fact we've got that monkey off our back, um, I'm feeling a lot more optimistic than I than I initially would have done. I guess. Let, let's move on to the final game that, that we have to cover, and probably the game that had maybe the, the biggest shock in terms of result because when you you put it into context, Rangers had gone forty games unbeaten in the league. Um, massive favourites going into this game, but ultimately that uh, run came to an end uh, thanks to Dundee United. It was a huge win for them, uh, and surely this is a platform for them to build on. Yeah, as um, it was nice to see Dundee United back up because I do like Tannadice as a as a ground. Um, but yeah, I think Dundee United have. I, listen, I don't think they're going to go on and have a. A phenomenal season or anything, but from what I saw, they obviously do look as if they're going to be a, a problem for um, the top four, five teams in the league. Um, and yeah, they they played well. Um, they really shut Rangers down um, and stopped them going. Um, and Rangers were getting f- frustrated, um, which was very unlike them from what we've seen for the last year and a bit. And um, I I just thought Dundee United credit to them. Charlie Mulgrew had a had, had a good game, which uh, I've always liked him as a player. Even not just a Celtic fan, but I've always liked him. Always uh, kept an eye on his career closely because even for Scotland, Celtic, um, everywhere he's been, he's always been. Uh, he's been a player who always seemed to get a lot of stick at Celtic as well. But he's a uh, he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. And I thought he had a great game. But yeah, Dundee United, um, they did they did look well and. Um, a lot of pace on, on the counter attack as well, which is as a as a Celtic fan that gives me absolute fear to go there. Daniel, let's go to you because I think I asked Deck and Adam last week about United and their possibility of finishing in the table. Um, where would be an acceptable position for United to finish come May? An acceptable position would be, I would say, in my opinion, I can see them being six or seven with a woeful performance last week, and then they bucked it against Rangers. They obviously looked in and studied what Rick was doing, closed them down and stopped them from playing their usual game. Uh, so I'm, at the minute, I would say being probably sixth or seventh, seventh more probably. Okay, Deck, I'll, I'll put this question to you. Did Charlie Mulgrew's performance surprise you? I think it did because obviously I caught most of the game back with the highlights, but I did watch the first kind of 15 minutes from the, my house like, on the day of the game. And it, to me, it looked rusty to begin with, but Obviously, he's just that type of player that's like grew into the game, and he was a proper solid performance from him. Then it was obviously great to see from a my Celtic perspective. But um, I actually think that, like, just in terms of the game, like it was so it was so refreshing to see Dundee United start with you know a real intensity instead of like I felt it was the last season we were watching teams play Rangers and they were just sitting in and inevitably getting battered, whereas Dundee United with intensity and pressing at the right times. I had Rangers in a bit of a shaky peg early on. You know, obviously the crowd, it's been well documented what difference they'd make and they definitely helped drive that intensity with, you know, a lot of noise and they probably made Rangers feel a lot more edgy. Um, and I and I always pr- I praised Dundee United for their move with, with Tam Colts because they obviously went for a modern kind of strategy and he got a bit of criticism. I think he, he mentioned that, that people think I'm just a PE teacher and stuff like that, but he definitely seems like he knows him, knows his stuff. And United did a real match for Rangers and they deserved everything they got because they, they nullified Rangers' threat. And albeit, I think they had a bit of luck with, you know, even the goal it was a bit of a deflection going through. And in my opinion, Mulgrew, you know, the right decision would have probably been to send them off. I 
probably not a popular one, but I, I think it was a sending off. And, um, you know, just the wee strokes of luck mm. are needed when you play the big teams. Uh, Adam, I'm going to give this one to you. Why do you think Alan McGregor is yet to start for Rangers domestically? Because we know he's he was in the game uh, against Malmo last week. Why do you think he hasn't started the campaign? I really don't know. I've got to be honest, I'm feeling because I've got Alan McGregor in my fantasy team, so I'm not impressed with Steven Gerrard um, not giving him the nod, but I don't know. Maybe it's just John McLaughlin complaining about a lack of game time, perhaps. Um, I, I always think it's tricky when you've got, and this might sound a bit daft, but I do think John McLaughlin is a great goalkeeper, but I always think it's tricky when you've got two goalkeepers of a sufficient standard to try and balance it out um, sort of domestic matches, cup matches. I think it's such a modern thing now in football where you'll have a cup goalkeeper and a and a league goalkeeper, certainly amongst kind of Europe's elite. Um, so maybe it's just a case of trying to balance out the game time between the two. I, I really couldn't tell you, to be honest, mate. Okay. Um, I, I've just seen a couple of people having theories and I, I was just interested to hear what your one was. Um, Beans, I'm going to give this one to you. It's a big question. How big is Tuesday night against Malmo for Rangers and Steven Gerrard? Uh, I think it's absolutely paramount for Rangers that they have to get a win. I know Gerrard has said previously that there's no Lions in there, is there? Um, and now he's calling on the fans. So I think... I was watching the game with uh, the Rangers game with three of my good mates who are all Rangers fans and I was shocked to hear what they were saying to be fair. I thought first league lost, first league game lost in, you know, over a season and I thought they would go, oh, it's a tough place to go but honestly they were going on a bit lack of squad, squad depth um, and this isn't just Dennis is what I've seen as well, I'm not going to fling my mates under the bus but um the Gerard seemed as if he was kind of flinging players under the bus again. Um, a few cracks were shown. I think last season they had a great run, and every single win that they put together just reinforced that run. But I think um, if they don't get that win on Tuesday, I think there's going to be some grumbling. Um, the Champions League is the is the goal for them this season. There's no two ways about that. That's why Morelos will be staying. That's why all these players, Ken um, Kamara, that's why they'll be holding on just now. Um, because they will have aspirations to play at that level. And if they don't get it, there'll be some grumblings, but especially if Celtic um, have turned a page. I don't think they have fully, but yeah, I think it's um, a season-defining game for them on Tuesday. Okay, that's probably the, the best way to end it, um, you know, leading into the, the European fixtures. I just want to say thanks to Adam, Daniel, Deck, and Beans for coming on. Really appreciate it. If you haven't enjoyed the podcast you've enjoyed listening to it and you've not yet subscribed then hit that subscribe button follow us like us and um yeah if you feel like it share us and we will be back next monday from 4 p.m on spotify itunes and google podcast imagine a world with no cold calling a world where companies don't sell your data to other companies who want to pester you at G4 Claims, we don't cold call and we don't buy a single lead from data companies. Oh, and if you're due any compensation from your car accident, you pay nothing to us at all. For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today for help the way you want it.